Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Yay! Yay! This is Barb Goldberg of The Evil Stepmother Speaks, and I yell, yay, because I have to admit, I love teaching class. I love it. And for those of you who don't know who I am, I am the blogger, author, radio show host, teacher, coach, etc. of The Evil Stepmother Speaks. And today's class is a second part of a two-parter called Getting Your Way, our first class was about the power of influence, and if I do say so myself, it was super awesome. And it was based on the book, The Psychology of Influence, by Dr. Robert Cialdini, and we learned a lot about how to gain um, unwittingly, unwitting, 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 I can say it, compliance from people around us, sort of learning the skills that a lot of people in sales have learned through the years, but applying them in our family lives. And today's class is also super awesome, and today is called The Spiritual Solutions. I know. I'm hoping that none of you close your minds, but it also, as everything that happens at The Evil Stepmother Speaks, is based on the art and science of stepfamily management. And so I think I'll skip the big, long intro. Um, those of you know me, you know that I've traveled your journey as a step-parent for well over 20 years now. I've been married to my husband, Bruce, for well over 20 years I have three stepchildren and one bio child, and um, they're all grown now. I like to think that. They're all grown <laughs> and, and out of the house, and so I've taken this long trip with you, and I had vowed as I was taking this journey that one day I would devote my life to actually sharing what I've learned and in all aspects of my life, business, marketing, sales, you name it, <clears throat> and step family life and share it with other people in the hope that I could make other folks' lives easier. And that is exactly what I'm doing today when we're teaching a class. And it's been uh, no news to any of you listening that it's been quite a frustrating um, journey because it feels as though um, there isn't any training. I mean, there's some now, but in my day, certainly none. And um, why not? I mean, we train in for sales. We train in business leadership, and other aspects of our lives, financial leadership, you name it, weight leadership, but not so much in the stepfamily tradition. So that's what I'm really hoping that you'll get from all this, that we're really all leaders. And in our case, we're just unique leaders in an interesting situation. And on today's class, I want to say that, you know, whenever you start talking or calling things spirit and using a word like spiritual Immediately, it hearkens of religion or a lot of woo-woo or something. And to some degree, um, it really isn't true, but some of it will certainly remind you of those things. And I just I think the biggest challenge to anyone taking today's class will be to keep your mind open and to also realize that all of these spiritual solutions are steeped in science. Of course, there's an art to everything as to when you use them, when you, use, when you use the tactics that we're going to learn today, that's where the art comes into play and how you approach the people that you feel you need to approach. But basically, it's really no difference than the psychology of influence. There's a lot to do with how our brain works. The field of neuroscience plays heavy, even when we talk about spiritual solutions. So, you know, the word spiritual, you know, it can mean a zillion things, and that's the hard part about teaching this part of the course is that by its very definition, language is confining because there really aren't any words or letters to explain some of the concepts that we're going to be talking about today. So, you know, it could be any kind of words. So just try to keep your mind open. And you know what? Um, let's get going. And the very first thing, as I always tell folks, my students, is that I just want you to sit back, relax, and listen. 
You don't have to take notes because you're going to get this recording. And I always send out a summary of what I talked about in writing as well, so you have it to refer back. So I just want you to sit and breathe. We always start with two deep breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. One more. And just relax. All right. So here's what I've been doing lately. Is I believe you all know that I'm a certified Dr. Martha Beck uh, life coach. It's one part of my training. And because of that, I get to take these really cool classes. And also because of that, Dr. Beck allows me to use a lot of her materials. So this time, um, I'm in the middle of taking a course with not only Dr. Beck, but with Deepak Chopra. And again, because I'm certified, I get to share the material with you. Now, i got to tell you up front, there's so much material that I just picked a few things for today. And we'll just get started like that. And then I'll kind of step back and probably create another course as um, my learning continues on and on. And I think it will apply and help all of you. So here's today's most poignant lesson. Okay, Every single problem has a spiritual solution. Let me say that one again. Every single problem has a spiritual solution. You are not helpless. And I know a lot of us feel helpless a lot, and um, it's the worst ever, and we are not helpless. And our solutions are found by expanding our awareness. In other words, moving beyond the limited vision of the problem. So it might be, you know, my stepkids are brats. Um, they may or may not be brats, but today's class is an effort to teach you to kind of go beyond that. What is really going on? And it, the process begins by recognizing what level of awareness you're really working from and then moving past that and letting your inner awareness express itself. So life flows from within itself, and the more you let go, the more your true self can express its desire to evolve. I know, it's counterintuitive, right? Because most of us are pretty stressed out, um, and we can go on and on about why we have good reason, I know. But it's actually ironic because the more we let go, the more developed and the easier life will be, and that includes dealing with our stepfamilies. Because once that process starts, everything changes. It's kind of, um, it's kind of like this. Um, I always felt that my stepmother life was really the key to my spiritual life. That was one of my conclusions that I had reached. And I realized, um, I know I talk about it in, in my book a lot, The Evil Stepmother Speaks, um, that it is literally the key to a well-developed spiritual life. You know why? Because your worst enemy, as well as your greatest love, will take you into your highest awareness. Yep, your worst enemy, as well as your greatest love, will take you into your highest awareness. I'll bet you most of you have felt as though you've never asked for more help or felt as though you needed more help than when you were in or part of a step family. And that's probably one of the feelings of discomfort that you feel. I know I certainly did. And that is that, you know, you know that you're this bright, capable person, but yet you seem so... Um, confused, I guess, and conflicted with our personal lives if this feels like an everyday conundrum, okay? So there's three different kinds of awarenesses. The first kind is called a constricted awareness. And it's, um, it's, it's a place of fear and basic constriction. It's like every step forward feels like a battle. And you tend to keep doing more of what's never worked in the first place as you get more frustrated and you become, and this is important, more and more exhausted. Um, Albert Einstein once said, no problem can ever be solved at the level of awareness at which it was created. No problem has ever been solved at the level of awareness at which it was created. So if you think about that, <coughs> it's been shown psychologically that a lot of times if somebody hits 
one of our emotional buttons. And we may not even know that someone's hitting one of our emotional buttons, but something that's really been a thing for us, right? Um, maybe something about being told what to do, and it harkens back to your childhood where you felt like people were always telling you what to do. Very often, we slip back into the age of that experience. So we may be 50, but we're acting like we're 11. You know that feeling, right? And when you're in constricted awareness, it means you feel a separateness too, and um, like isolated, and fear and anxiety are a big part of your life. There's also a big correlation between your body, your physical body, and your level of awareness. So be aware of that. As you live in this constricted awareness, um, very often you'll feel it in your body. You have aches and pains. You have a chronic illness. You know, your stomach hurts. You know, those kinds of things. That's your body being the communicator from your soul to you. So I'll let you all kind of think about that and think about if you've had any physical ailments, if you kind of feel like you're achy all the time. That's what it is. And so we all probably can relate to that one. And the second level of um, awareness is called expanded awareness. And that's when you start to feel like solutions are starting to appear. You know it when you're feeling love, joy, happy, empathy. That's all signs of expanded awareness. And they give us, those feelings give us expanded awareness. The Buddhists call these divine emotions because they actually pull us together and combine us together. And then there's the third level of awareness called free awareness or pure awareness. It's like when you feel as though there's infinite possibilities in life and absolutely no limitations. It has a quite innocent type of feel to it. Um, so, and it's very, very joyful. It's creative and it's not attached to predictable outcomes. Um, it makes you feel like you're one with people. I'm trying to feel like, to give you guys um, a tangible example, and I'm, I'll just try to throw a few things out. It's like, have you ever met somebody and you feel like you've known them before and like there's a feeling for some inexplicable reason, like a feeling of joy when you're around them and like you just like <clears throat> feel like there's a certain synchronicity between you. It's almost like we're in the same place and time. So it's kind of like that or when you're around babies and you go to that place where like it's just so soft, right? And um, that synchronicity all the, um, lots of times when you feel like you're just in the right space, doing what you should be doing, Everything feels right. We've all had moments like that. And a lot of times that moment or those moments or that feeling is called luck sometimes. Sometimes people call it feels as if God's on their side, they might say. That's part of that feeling of pure awareness. And we should also know that problems arise when we're in the contracted awareness. And solutions come from expanded awareness, and when we can see beyond our limited vision of the problem. So when we feel constricted, we struggle to get free of our problems, and I think we all can relate to that when we're in a stepfamily and as a stepmother. Don't you feel like, I'm never going to get out of this? We, and whenever we expand, you're not going to feel as stuck. So whenever you can, try to notice what state of awareness that you're in. And so, um, and here's kind of, it's going to sound kind of funny, but here is a tactic that you can use, okay? A few times a day, set your alarm on your phone. As a reminder, just twice a day, and in fact, if you're brave enough to do it now, you can set your alarm for two times during the day. Each time you get a reminder, just do a quick check on yourself. How are you feeling? Is your body tight and constricted? Are you feeling relaxed and expanded? Take a few deep, slow breaths, and you can silently repeat something like this. I am willing to let go of struggle, and I am open to the answers that lie within. And if you're ever in times where you particularly feel anxious, and particularly feel stressed out, another time to quietly within yourself say, 
I am willing to let go of struggle. I'm open to the answers that lie within. Another suggestion. When your stepchildren are coming, um, in most cases, most of us have the kids coming and going, and when you're getting ready for that visit, often that transition's tough. And it's nothing personal against anybody. It's just that you've been living in a quieter existence. Here comes all these people. And we all start to work ourselves up, maybe based on some experience we had the last time or we know something's going on. You can relate. I think you all kind of know um, what I'm talking about. Great before you know you're either going to walk in the house and all these people are going to be here to sit for a second in the car and say, take a few breath, deep breaths and say, I'm willing to let go of the struggle and I'm open to the answers that lie within. These folks that we're dreading to see are our greatest teachers. I know that's hard to, you know, I know you walk in and yes, those people that do no chores and the partner that is spoiling them rotten are actually our greatest teachers. I have a feeling I've had a way to go before anyone's going to buy that one, but it really, really, really is true. So now you know that you're no longer trapped because we know that there's a spiritual solution to everything. You know, Dr. Beck talks a lot in her books about the concept of the wild child, the dictator, and the watcher. And I wanted to share that with you today because it's something I can relate to. The way I write about it, um, because this is what it feels like to me, is that you know how you have like the devil sitting on one shoulder and the angel sitting on the other? You ever feel like that? Like sometimes you can be like the most awesomest, cool angel of a stepmother, and then other times you're like, I'm going to kill somebody. And you can see that especially on our Facebook pages or our venting sites when people are just losing their minds. And then you'll also see some of the posts that are just so sweet and lovely. Um, So here's something, an exercise and something that if this might have you um, relate a bit to what Dr. Beck's talking about, because I know I do. And okay, so think about ways in which you behave in your life where you know you shouldn't behave that way. Um, It could be overeating, could be overspending, It could be yelling at the kids. It could be just, like, dreading when they come, you know, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so now we're going to call that part of you that has this repetitive behavior the wild child. So what she suggests is that we hold up our left hand and imagine your wild child as this tiny little person standing on your palm. For me, it's kind of like the devil sitting on my shoulder, but for her, it's a wild child. And you know what? The world has been really hard on your wild child. And what she really wants is to feel safe and loved. So at times when you're acting out, um, your nonverbal, stressed-out wild child is operating your body and mind and seeking comfort. Remember that your wild child has the intellect of a baby Envision her or him as being skinny, bruised, and dressed in rags. Now, flip over to your right hand and imagine who's standing another tiny person in your right palm. This person is dressed in military fatigues. They've got a whip in one hand and a gun in the other and welcome and meet your dictator. Your dictator's job is to control the wild child. Every time your wild child reaches out for a cookie, snaps at a stepchild, um, screams at their partner, doesn't go to the gym, the dictator lashes out with the whip and screams, stop it, stop it, that isn't allowed. The dictator calls you terrible names such as loser, you idiot, you evil stepmother, and has an abusive tone you would never think of using with friends or loved ones. Does any of this sound familiar? (laughs) Now you can hold out both your hands. Picture the dictator in your right hand, your wild child in your left. Now feel the total exhaustion of the continuous conflict between them. Um, Exhaustion, the continuous conflict between them. Because the dictator is ruling by force. He's white-knuckling things, which I think is a great um, descriptor 
and verb to use in our lives lots of times when it comes to managing our stepfamilies. We white-knuckle our way through. And the only times it stops is when the exhaustion totally overwhelms the dictator. Then the wild child loses control, doing all the things that you promised yourself you'll never do. And doesn't it feel like this conflict never seems to end? I mean, I'm hoping that just by my description of it, or if you're holding your hands out and imagining these two little people, the dictator and the wild child standing there and just glaring at each other, you can feel the frustration and this weariness. This is another way of explaining contracted awareness. But when you observe them compassionately and with love and with understanding, you will start to notice that you will start to relax. And you're also going to learn and notice something else. Both of these parts of you, your wild child, the dictator, is really good at heart. Look, the wild child only wants comfort, just like a stray puppy. And the dictator part of you is just trying to keep you safe. And we're all built this way, every single human being. Now, seeing how well-meeting and battle-scarred your wild child and your dictator are, imagine them both, and now I want you to wish them kind wishes to both of them at the exact same time. And back, for those of you that read my book, I did a chapter on this um, really um, sacred Buddhist poem and say this to yourself, may you be well, may you be happy, may you feel safe, and may you be filled with well-being. Repeat these and any other kind wishes until you see and you feel the wild child and the dictator soften and relax. This is how you expand your consciousness. Now, when you look at two, these two parts of yourself, the wild child and the dictator, ask yourself this one. Who are you really? Well, you're not the wild child and you're not the dictator. You're actually a third being that is made of pure compassion, who isn't involved in the struggle and feels love and acceptance for all aspects of yourself. Imagine this being called the Watcher. The Watcher holds both your wild child and the dictator in a loving and transcending way. And if you just watch them from a distance and wish them well, the watcher's freedom from the struggle and the love that you have is your essential nature. We are born made of love. It is our essential nature. Kindness is our essential nature. The constriction of the struggles that we feel many times, and I think to an extreme in our stepfamily relationships, is because we're struggling to get back to that place. So now, as you're considering the behavior you might be working on, in our case, it might be grumpiness in general towards our family members or feeling judgmental about how our partners parent, you may find that there's less compulsion because you're going to move out of this constricted awareness into a more expanded space. Now, ask yourself the following question, and this is now moving from an expanded to a pure awareness space. Who is the one who knows that the watcher exists? Ask, you have to ask it to yourself. Who is the one who knows that the watcher exists? And the answer is, and you can feel the experience within your own body, the one who knows the watcher exists is watching all human consciousness all the time. It holds each of us and all other beings in the universe with absolute acceptance. It has no fear, and it's not constricted by space or time. You see, the words can't really describe that space of pure awareness because the words don't have the power because it's inexpressible. But wouldn't it be great to live there? So I challenge you not only um, to be kind to yourself, and I think we're going to learn as we move on in class that we start 
by being kinder to our partners and to our stepchildren and the people at work or anyone else by practicing on ourselves. We also have learned in um, actually past classes and past blogs and in my book, etc., that when we act as a watcher, as a third person watching, the brain starts to separate and not become so engulfed in the stories that we tell each other or our ego-related um, criticisms and the things in life that are made up of our material world, it starts to let go. Remember how we've learned, and this is other classes other time, about naming our, our brain and talking to our brain and talking as a third person, actually watching the behavior rather than being embroiled in it. It literally changes how our minds and our brains work, and it actually creates new neurons to, be, to grow inside our brains because we now know that our brain actually regenerates and you literally can build new neuron connections with new myelin sheaths wrapped around it, which makes life softer and easier to deal with. So once again, um, remember, um, in this way, by being a watcher, we're actually dealing with our emotions in a much more conscious level rather than just letting them attack you and letting us attack others around us. Have to say it again, your worst enemy, as well as your greatest love, will take you into your highest awareness. So Deepak Chopra started to talk about projection, and I wanted to share this um, with you guys and just have you kind of think about it a bit. And he used... um, Examples of what he calls this constricted awareness, but also projection in the following types of examples. If you know that you're a person that gets defensive, um, if you know that you, or let me just say this, or family members will just pick on them for a while, that you're a person that when you ask someone for their opinion, if it's not what you expect, you get upset. If you find yourself or you hear others using generalizations and stereotypes, um, you know, um, about other races, religions, et cetera, et cetera, if you've ever found that you or others, when you meet an authority figure, you get intimidated, well, these are all signs that you're projecting. It's when you're judging and you're dependent It's like when you give too much of yourself and it's something that we learn very, very early in childhood. We become manipulators through being nice, nasty, and playing the victim and we see politicians doing it all the time. All of these types of behaviors come from a space of contracted awareness. See, when your awareness is expanded, You treat yourself as a natural and an equal. You're not good. You're not bad. You don't choose who to be nice to because you're nice to everyone. And you're not afraid to be vulnerable. Your desires to control go away and you surrender to the flow of evolution. And it totally changes any relationships you have with other people. It is literally self-awareness. And this is how by surrendering to the flow of evolution. This is how you change your relationships with those annoying stepchildren or um, other folks, you know, the ex-wife who you think is crazy. This is how you do it. Um, So projection actually occurs when we attach a quality, belief, a motive, a feeling that we have disowned in ourselves onto another person. So to avoid feeling that we're not good enough we judge others as being inadequate. If we really deep down feel like we're really stupid, we may judge other people as being stupid. Projection is destructive to our relationships, and there's two reasons for that. It prevents us from truly knowing and accepting ourselves, first and foremost. And secondly, it prevents us from truly knowing and accepting other people. In addition, the traits of feeling that we've denied in ourselves have an unexpressed energy that acts like a magnet, repeatedly attracting what you might call the wrong people into our lives 
until we're willing to accept both the light and dark sides of ourselves. Do you ever hear that? Um, when girls are dating, I'm a jerk magnet. You ever hear that one? It's because they're projecting. Um, and most of the time, we're completely unaware that we're projecting and unaware that the very trait we're projecting is our own. So if you think that the ex-wife really hates you, that may or may not be true. And in our last class of influence, we've actually given some other reasons as to why that behavior might be happening as an impulsive nature of the brain. But it is possible that when you think somebody else hates you, you might be hiding your own rage, maybe against authority, um, onto other people that might have cheated or, um, you know, projecting on other things that have happened to you in your childhood. So if you're thinking about having an affair, for an example, often those are the folks that accuse their partners of cheating. It's an unconscious defense to avoid looking inward, and that's why, by the way, people hate taking classes like this. You know, when, you, when people say, oh, it's a lot of work, marriage is a lot of work, relationships, a lot of work, and stepmothering, forget it, more than a lot of work. It's because it calls on us to do this kind of work, and it makes you roll your eyes and makes you want to go, I, I don't have time for this. Well, I would challenge that you only have time for this. So here's the thing. It's like this. The essential nature of the universe is always the coexistence of opposites, Right? like your dictator part of you, like the wild child. So you can't be a virtuous person if you don't have the capacity to be evil. You can't be wise if you've never been foolish. And you can't be generous if you didn't have a stingy person inside of you. So here's the thing. The most enlightened people know that they accept this about themselves. They, ex- they actually accept and treasure the full potential for their own lightness and darkness or that they don't have to be perfect and their own ambiguity. Um, So here's the thing. The measure of your enlightenment is your level of comfort with your own paradoxes. So how do you stop doing it? Well, negativity is a major clue that you're projecting. Ever meet somebody like that, that they're always negative and it's like, oh, get me away from them? It's usually a person who's projecting because for projection is never a neutral thing. It expresses itself as negative energy because what it's disguising is negative. Okay, so it's never neutral. It's never like, yeah, well, I project, but it just doesn't show. So first step is realizing that you're doing it and it's the old story, you're halfway there. The moment that you realize you may be projecting a hidden feeling, try to tune in to what that feeling is and don't delay it because that opportunity goes away really quickly because the defenses will come up. You actually feel that which you don't want to feel and immediately you'll try to cover it up. So ask yourself immediately, what am I feeling right now? And again, tune into your body. Um, Are there any sensations there? Is your neck getting stiff? Your stomach aching? And is our mind trying to rationalize or dismiss the feelings? Maybe it is, but you know what? Our body will never lie to us. So you really need to be alert, conscious, open, honest, and frankly courageous. And that's another um, trait of a good stepmother Um, she's really courageous and puts her toes into the water of areas that we really don't want to deal with. Like who wants to sit and go over all this stuff about ourselves over and over again when really we just want to blame everybody else? I mean, I prefer to blame everybody else, but this this is really taking you to another level of human experience, and that's why we feel so uncomfortable in our shoes lots of times when we live in our step family um, homes. Now, once you get those feelings, you can acknowledge them and don't attack them, bemoan them or attempt to change them or even try to feel fine about it, about your unwanted feelings. 
I mean, let's face it, haven't we always had that feeling, haven't all of us rather had feelings when we don't want our stepchildren to come or we think that there are pains in the asses? And it's, it's okay. Because when the more you deny it or try to cover it up, it's more like you're covering up your own authenticity. Feelings have feelings and they know when they're unwanted and they'll cooperate, they'll go underground by themselves. Fear cooperates by trying to hide it, right? You don't want your partner to see that you really don't like this kid, right? Anger cooperates by pretending it doesn't exist. That's when you explode when it looks like there's no reason, but really it's because you're pissed about what the kid did three hours ago. It's impossible to accept an unwanted feeling until you simply allow it and acknowledge it. It will persist. That's all you need to do. So you just tell your feeling, I see you, you belong to me, it's okay. And as over time you start acknowledging your feelings, they'll start to feel less unwanted and then they'll begin to tell you their story because every single feeling you have has a story because I am this way for a reason. Be receptive to the story that emerges no matter what it is and most of those painful stories include guilt, shame, resentment, inferiority, and other primal negative feelings that are rooted in our childhood. If you can imagine the small child that you were and as best as you can be gentle and accepting, remind yourself that you had a valid reason for denying or rejecting a feeling or aspect of yourself. So if you find yourself judging, a lot of times um, one of the more common ones is judging that our stepchildren are spoiled, they have too much, or they don't have to do anything for something. Sometimes if we look back into our own stories and our own histories of childhood, we might find times that you know we were taught that money has tremendous value or that you, you know those people that lived in our neighborhood didn't have to work for certain things, and we did, or we heard our fathers talking about things like that. So it's a good time to kind of you know, step back and kind of see where it's coming from. And it, it's, it's interesting to learn our own way. It's no different than looking up your family tree. So now that you're an adult, remember this, that you don't have to protect yourself that, like you did in childhood. That childhood's long since passed, and you have the skills to handle it. You can experience a full range of your emotions in complete safety, knowing that you aren't a threatened child, but a magnificent spirit. And like anything else, the more you practice allowing your feelings, the more peace, love, and self-acceptance will expand in your experience. So with that, um, Deepak Chopra, um, you know, he, he always gives meditations when he teaches. And he gave this one that I just, I don't know, I just thought it was just lovely. So... I am now going to give us all a chance um, to kind of sit back and take some of this in, um, as annoying as it all might be, but it really is quite perfect in all it might be. And how interesting it is for those of you that chose to take this class. Doesn't it make you wonder uh, why that was? So here it is. It's normal to feel as if we're not getting enough not enough attention, not enough love. It's a symptom of contracted awareness. Now we're going to take the time to release this constriction and connect to the infinite source of love within. When you can, find a comfortable seat. As we always do, we take a few deep breaths in through your nose and out through your mouth. And in any way you can, make yourself even more comfortable, unclench your jaw, and soften up. If you can, feel your feet planted on the ground. That's a really powerful movement because it literally lets you connect to the powerful energy of the earth. You feel yourself breathing, and you can feel your heart, and even liven the energy of your heart. If you go back in your life to an experience of love, maybe it was a teacher, a parent, 
or maybe even a stranger during a different time, difficult time. Remember when it made you feel so important. And as the love flows in, that experience may be your lessons of how to give love. And it may very well find it in the simplest of things, but it's the same flow of energy. Did you ever see your dog's tail wagging when it's time to take a walk? It's like having that same excitement when you see others coming and when they see you coming. What was that moment like when you received love? Did you feel the sun? Was there music playing? Were you eating an apple? Did you look into your friend's eyes and see pure love for you? How does your body feel now? Is it more relaxed, at ease? Do you feel safer? Do you notice your breathing becoming more even? For some people, when they think of this kind of energy, they actually see a color. Not everybody, but sometimes. Is it pink, golden honey, or a shimmering green? You just let that love complete you and release any of your areas and let your body go. You know, we all try to be better and look for others' approval, but right now in this moment, you can stop trying and just be. Just be with yourself. You're perfect as you are. You are pure awareness. And you can always stay in this expanded space of love and floating in the vibrations of love. And when you're ready, you can come back to class. So I highly suggest, not that, um, well, if you wanted to, you can also put this recording in, but you get the gist. And just reminding yourself of those feelings of incredible love and when you love the idea of either when your pet greets you or when there's certain people in your life that you just love um, when you see them coming towards you how awesome that is if you can try to get into that state before your stepchildren walk in the door that will make all the difference you don't have to be perfect or in pure awareness all the time but at least taking steps away from the constricted awareness of that fear and anxiety that often greets us at the door before they do. Because that's the ultimate goal, right? Is that when they see you there, they see that same type of love looking back at them or they're just happy to see you there. It doesn't mean they want to spend 24-7 with you or that you have to do things. You have to be with them 24-7 or go to every single thing that they do or do everything that they want. It's more about the feeling and the energy you give out than what you actually do. So believe me, people feel it. People feel it. So (coughs) the next things I wanted to talk about in this class is how we communicate with others, right? Oh, yeah. Especially, would you like to talk about how we communicate with our partners? And I'd love to talk a little bit about conscious communication. Um, And we all know what that's like. When someone crosses our personal boundaries, hello. (laughs) What personal boundaries? All the stepmothers are saying. I don't think we have any, but we do. And that triggers a strong emotional response. That's in our stepfamily lives when someone pushes our buttons. And that's when we want to push back. That's when someone crosses our boundaries. You know that what your boundaries might be. Disrespect, physically walking into our bedrooms without knocking, um, or a zillion others. But when we react with hostility or start blaming, it's really not the best response, and it's not productive. And you know what it does, worst of all? It wastes our valuable personal energy. And believe it or not, it also creates more turbulence in the world. It's another class for another time. And 
You got it. It's from coming from constricted awareness. So let's kind of think about how we can communicate differently that creates compassion rather than um, more anxiety and fear and anger on the other side. And it has a few basic concepts. One is state whatever happened when you want to go tell your, uh, anyone in your family something that happened that's really, frankly, pissing you off. State what happened in facts. Then state how it makes you feel. State exactly what you need. And then make a request, not a demand. Demands are filled with guilt and blame, and a request is filled with empathy. So let's dive into each one of these a little bit. Number one, describing what happened. It's like a separate observation from evaluating what you think is happening. So you can try to pretend that you're like a reporter, although these days reporters also talk about how they feel about things, but try to be objective, like you're a scientist doing a study and you're only actually recording the data of what actually happened. So here's an example. Um, My stepdaughter is always whining. Okay, is that really what happened? Most likely she's not always whining. It might be that um, my stepdaughter arrived late for the weekend. We found out that she didn't get to sleep until midnight, and now she's really whiny. So try to avoid using words like always, never, repeatedly, and continually. That's generally a sign that we're evaluating and generalizing rather than observing. She's always this. He's always doing that. They're always late now. So when you're making an observation, be specific and avoid verbs with evaluative connotations such as procrastinating, manipulating, victimizing, punishing, avoiding, and things like that. Just describe what you can observe through your five sentence, senses excuse me, without filtering the facts through the lens of evaluation. The reason why this is so important is that when we evaluate or we mix the observation with evaluation, the person we're communicating with is more likely to hear the criticism and resist what we're saying. Listen, when our partners see us coming, they're already moving to constriction, Right? They just see us coming, probably just looking at us. It starts to fill them with fear and anxiety because most likely most of us up to this point has already started, well, I hate to use the word, but nagging or expressing our dismay at something within our stepfamily dynamics, right? So let's kill those kinds of verbs that have some kind of evaluative connotations. No, it's not a manipulator. She just called and stated this about the children. Because you know what, guys? As much as we think we know, we don't know. And once we start using those kinds of words, it could be us projecting or trying to gain something else in an ego-related way. So let's stay with clear observational verbs. Second point, describe your feelings. The next step, describing your feelings, um, such as I feel um, angry, I feel joyful, I feel lonely, I feel frustrated. You can use those types of core emotional words to describe how you're feeling. So (coughs) avoid using words that describe how you interpret other people's actions such as abandoned, misunderstood, unsupported, rejected, or pressured. These words kind of give you that sense of victimization, and they just take you away from communicating. So you need to develop a really rich vocabulary of feelings, and it'll be easier for you to connect not only with yourself but with other people. Allowing yourself to be vulnerable in expressing your feelings can help you resolve conflicts with more grace and ease. And for those of you that 
that feel as though your partners immediately become defensive as soon as you start expressing anything about their children. Um, that's a common one, right? Is that this is really important and to say, listen, when so-and-so does something, it really makes me feel jealous of the incredible amounts of time that you spend with them. And that may seem on the face of it like, really, you're a grown adult and you're jealous of the time, but haven't we all felt like that? And it makes me feel lonely, like I'm not a part of this family. But the more you open yourself up, again, counterintuitive, and really just talk about how you truly feel. And sometimes I think we're not really sure how it makes us feel because we're so busy talking and so busy accusing that we're not sure how exactly it's making us feel. I don't know. Now let's move on. But the third point, and that's identifying exactly what it is, what you need. Um, You know, a lot of times we just expect our partners or our friends and family to just know what it is that we need. We just expect them to know and just provide it. And I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. You're much more likely to get your needs met if you can identify them yourself and communicate them clearly. And here's another situation I think is common. Do you ask yourself, what do I need in this situation? So think about it. You wouldn't be having these strong feelings if your needs were being met. So identify the unmet need behind your feelings and be specific as possible. Here's one for me. When we're sitting and eating dinner together, I don't want you to pick up the phone, you know, and, you know, or, you know, we're having our own private time picking up the phone because a kid wants something or the ex is called. Ooh, I could feel the energy through the phone on that one. You know, when we're having our special time, let it go. And so, um, so it's, I really could use more of your time So I was thinking maybe Saturday night just the two of us could go to dinner. Or it upsets me so much because I want some of your time. I just feel lonely and just sort of forgotten and really vulnerable, like what am I doing here? So it's that kind of a thing. But, you know, you have to think it through a bit so that you're clear. Now, fourth is ask for what you want. Now that you've identified what you've observed, how... It feels and what you need. The final step is for you to make a request for specific behavior or actions that will help you fulfill your needs. If you want more attention from your partner, for example, um, be very specific. Ask to take a walk. Ask to go to a movie on Saturday. Express your need in the form of a request rather than a demand. You can tell that you're making a demand if you try to blame, punish, or lay a guilt trip on someone else, even if they decline to do what you want. Just because you're following these steps doesn't mean you're always going to get what you want. But when you make a genuine request, you're able to show empathy about what prevents the other person to do exactly what you want. So hopefully this this makes sense. And... It doesn't mean that immediately you're going to get everything you need and all of your frustrations um, will just go away. Um, But what it does do is it will improve your relationship with your partner because at least, even though you may not be getting everything that you need, at least you'll have a, a relationship based on honesty and authenticity. So I needed to tell you this. So um, when I take classes with Dr. Beck, a lot of times she does live coaching. And I love that the best because I practice, like I pretend I'm coaching one of you guys. But I I really like being in class with her because I want to keep my skills sharp. And so don't you know that um, in one of our classes, somebody called in with a blended family problem. Oh, and here's what some, this person was talking about. 
saying that, um, she was frustrated with her partner um, because she was always helping other people or doing for others, including the children, including the ex, and um, not leaving any time for her. Um, and um, and so um, Dr. Beck kind of took her through um, as she was explaining all this. She was saying that her partner is the type that, um, you know, for example, delivers the child support check instead of mailing it, um, going to every single thing um, to help parents, to help the son, and always um, saying that he's not coming home tonight and things like that. And what she wanted was she wanted him to look at their intimate life as well as on the same level and as well as looking at, for, at everybody else, right? And so Dr. Beck asked her, what is it that you want him to do? And she said, I would like him to say no. And said she, that she herself really wants his focus and attention. That's as opposed to saying, when's this going to stop? Why are you enabling everybody? Why aren't you mailing checks instead of delivering it? Which is probably what a lot of us would say, right? Now with conscious communication... She now knows that I just want you to say no and I want your focus. So what Dr. Beck asked this person on the phone is that the best way for you to get what you want is to give that same request to the person upon whom you're making the request. So in other words, if this situation, for example, is relatable to any of you, can you say that, you give your partner intense focus and you're not distracted in any way or doing things for others or just not around all the time. So what she was telling her is take your own advice. Give the same type of intense attention and you will see that he will start giving it back. You'll find it when you, us, that might be expressing this problem, when we're totally focused and totally present in our own relationships, we'll start getting that same sense of presence back. She also suggested that this uh, person write a letter to their partners, and I always love this idea, and I've done it, and that is write a letter to your partner and explain what you would see as his ideal behavior and how that would make you feel. <coughs> Excuse me. And always remember that when we want the love of another, it's really because we want permission to love ourselves. And now we're back full circle again to this notion of pure awareness as being infinite love. So once again, there's another tip and a tactic. Tactic. And that is that when you're asking somebody else for something, make sure that you're giving that person the same behaviors that you're requesting of them. Not demanding, but requesting. Writing letters that truly express how you're feeling and being very fact-based. So when you don't come home from work three nights a week. It makes me feel lonely. And I would like for you to be home, you know, four nights a week for dinner because I I miss being with you. Those kinds of things. So writing letters are really powerful and relating back to our class on Tuesday about the psychology of influence, one of the things that we learned was that the more we make a commitment or an expression or request physical by writing, for example, for those of you who are really brave, you can make a video, um, the more of a commitment it forces us to make 
And it's a much more powerful message because you're not only stating it, you're also writing it. And people are much more apt to comply when it's more than just stated and it's written as well. And for those of you that can sing, you can sing it (laughs) as well. So as we're wrapping up this hour, I knew we would just never, ever have a chance to get through um, everything. So always remember that your own awareness of yourself and your true self, which is just pure love and awareness, is the best thing in the world you can bring to a relationship. You can repeat through the day several mantras that we've gone over um, in this class. Some of them might also be, I'm here to be the presence of love. I am going to look to the world through the eyes of kindness today. Um, And I'm here to be present and aware of the most healing ways to respond. So don't forget, and that's with people in your life in general, to stay with objective and conscious communication that's a lack of judgment and it will totally increase your chance of having empathetic and peaceful existence and I want to wrap up today's um, class um, with one more point about your own health and well-being which by the way is intimately tied to our spiritual solutions right and if you notice the same themes are repeating themselves over and over and over again. And I want to remind you how important, number one, sleep is. Natural sleep, because that's when you return to your soul. Never make an excuse for napping or feeling as though you aren't doing enough or aren't enough because you want to go to bed early. So there is... um, when, you, when you're in a state of bliss is when you're in a state of deep sleep. And that's, for a lot of us, what our issues are because we're not getting enough sleep or good quality sleep. And by the way, if that's an issue, go to the doctor, start working on it, and learn the skills of getting good, deep, high-quality sleep. Remember, deep sleep is a renewal process. It's critically important. And you know this one's coming Meditation. That doesn't mean that you have to sit for hours and it's completely normal for people to have their mind um, wander, etc. But if you could just give yourself a few minutes a day, even if you want to replay this tape or for those of you that have the other meditation tape that I have that I've given out before um, with the books that I've made specifically for stepmoms, um, Excuse me, you can ask me for that if you don't have it. Put it in your phone, et cetera, et cetera. But just taking a few minutes every day to just sit in silence would be awesome. And movement. Your body's meant to move. It's your main compass to what's happening with your soul and your spirit. Don't forget to move. Healthy emotions like love, kindness, joy, compassion, and peace. Healthy emotions are really important. And trying to stay in that space, which is really what this class was about today, important to your health. And last but not least, nutrition. And there are those that say that a plant-based diet is healthier. I'm not going to get into all that, but good nutrition to keep the inflammation of your body down so it can tell you better what's going on. So with that, Um, I just want to keep going on and on and on, but people have to work. This won't be the last time we talk about spiritual solutions, um, along with um, business solutions and scientific solutions and neuroscience solutions and sociological solutions. Uh, It won't be the last time because there's just so much more to talk about. But keep in mind where your awareness is out every day. And by the way, if there was just even one concept or one thought or one idea that would help your life to be easier today, that's the whole idea of taking class. And if you enjoyed it and if you feel like you could take something away,
please don't hesitate to, first of all, let me know and drop me a note at barb at theevilstepmotherspeaks.com. And feel free to write it on Facebook and let some of the other women in our stepmom groups, or if you know any stepmothers, know that you really enjoyed it and you really got something out of it. So with that, I wish you all well, and we will talk again soon. Take care. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.